You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 47. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, my friends. This is From Sobriety to Recovery, and I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Loving this episode. It'll be my very first Q&A. Got some great responses on the post on Instagram and some great ones in in my direct messaging as well. And so we're going to focus on the ones that were public just because I'm starting to see a bit of continuity when it comes to dating and um, how to be in a relationship. And so I'm really, really looking forward to jumping into those. Um, a little bit about my last week. It's been a, it's been a great one. I finished up uh, my three-year anniversary and rolled right into my very first week of my four years. Super excited about the rest of this year. I've got a lot of big things coming up speaking engagements, and my book for my other podcast, College Success Habits, is coming up, and uh, that will be coming out later on this spring, so we're in the typesetting phase of it and getting uh, the cover designed and all this really great stuff. Um, I will Once that book is out and I've officially gotten uh, that off my to-do list and I've been able to start utilizing it whenever I go to colleges and high schools to speak and such. Um, Later on, probably into the summer, I will begin writing uh, my book on my sobriety and recovery journey, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, There's a lot of books I have in my head about sobriety and recovery, and certainly getting this first one about, you know, wouldn't call it a memoir or even an autobiography, but it's just going to be, you know, things that um, I see in myself now versus what I saw in myself then. And I'm just really looking forward to writing that. And so that will be the book that I write this year. So I've got this plan to write a book every year until I run out of book ideas. And uh, the last book I, you know, while I did a lot of research for it and spent a lot of time preparing it, ultimately writing it took me about less than 80 hours. I think when it's all said and done, Um, I actually wrote the first draft in five days. It took me about, I think, took me about 25 to 30 hours, depending on how I would add it all up. Um, so it was, uh, it's really great. So far, I've gotten some great reviews on it. And so that's what's going on as far as uh, my professional life goes. And, um, you know, just working through all of the things that I want to accomplish this year, I really look forward to us having a really great open line of communication and a, and a dialogue uh, about what it is that we're wanting to do with the year 2020, new year and new decade. And that's a great segue into the questions that I got because there seemed to be a continuity in um, a few of the people's posts when it came to um, dating. Um, someone asked about dating an alcoholic. Another person asked about how long you should wait and if they should be in recovery. Um, there's another one about uh, getting a hollow emptiness void when it comes to their significant other and alleviating that long term. And so I'm really looking forward to um, answering these. So let's jump right in. Um, and let's start with the, um, boy, what's it, you know, what's it like dating an alcoholic and how to move past it and not blame yourself? Um, goodness. When I look back at my 20s and how hard I drank and used cocaine in front of all of my college friends and college girlfriends, I can only imagine what kind of train wreck I must have come off as considering how put together I was when I was sober. 
And when I look back at that version of myself and how I was often just, you know, in my own little world and and doing whatever I wanted, I would certainly hope that none of those women walked away from that relationship. And I, I was a serial monogamist is what my friends call me because I would stay in a relationship for three to six months, you know, depending on how long they were willing to tolerate my behavior. And then, uh, you know, they'd move on, I'd move on. And, and it was just, you know, generally that was it. We'd see each other in the same social circles because I generally dated women that worked in the service industry. Um, and there was this one particular parking lot at Butler Plaza. And in this one portion of it, there was like four or five different restaurants. And then there was another one all the way down on the other side of the strip mall. But almost everybody I knew and dated and hung out with worked in one of these six restaurants. I think it was six. Yeah, that's close enough. Um, let's see. It was like um, Outback, Olive Garden, On the Border, TGI Fridays, um, Bonefish, and Ale House. And I think those were the ones that come to mind. Those were all the people I knew. And we always hung out at this place called Gumby's. It was a pizza restaurant that also had a bar. Um, or we were down at the place called Gator City, where I bartended for a period of time until I got drunk. I got fired for being too drunk too often. (laughs) So anyways, back to what I was saying is that I would see these women in my social circles. It wasn't like I would just be able to, we couldn't ghost out of each other's lives. We would often be working in the same restaurant. And I would certainly hope that they didn't blame themselves because you you can't blame yourself for somebody else's behavior. And if they try to blame you for their behavior, that's a humongous red flag. That is that is emotionally immature. Um, that is that is a victim mentality, and they're going to try to blame you for their actions, right? Oh, you know, you didn't call, or you nagged, or you broke a date, or whatever it is that you did. And to say that, oh, well, now I've got to go off and I've got to abuse alcohol and drugs because you did this to me. Uh, We're no longer allowed to play in that world, okay? We can't We can no longer look at ourselves. If we're really getting into addiction recovery and say, well, because my mom did this, because my dad, because my siblings, because my teacher, because somebody did something to me, that gave me permission to act and behave the way that I did, right? We're in sobriety and recovery now. We know that that wasn't a good enough reason then. It's certainly not a good enough reason now. We used what somebody did toward us as an excuse to do a behavior we already wanted to do. But as long as we blamed somebody else, we could take away the responsibility we had for our actions. I got wasted because you hurt my feelings. There are lots of people who get their feelings hurt who choose not to abuse alcohol and drugs. That was what we chose to buffer away any real emotional commitment, to, re- to really dive into our feelings and figure out why did that person's behavior hurt my feelings. No one, no one can hurt your feelings. No one can make you feel anything. You choose to feel it. Right. What I've I've talked a lot about the life coaching model that Brooke Castillo talks about in her uh, the life coaching school podcast. I'm one of I'm one of her um, students. I I get these monthly books, and she really teaches the thoughts cause feelings, which drive actions, which create results. Right. So somebody does something to you, and that creates that triggers a thought, which causes a feeling. 
right? There are lots of ways for somebody's behavior. They break a date with you, and that can trigger whatever thought it wants. Oh, good. I'm glad the universe showed me that person's true colors. Now I don't have to waste my time on them. Or it could be the thought could be after they break the date, oh, wow, I'm not good enough, or F that dude. It could be something angry. It could be something negative. That drives this this feeling, right, which you choose to feel. You had a thought about them breaking the date, and then you chose to feel however you wanted. You could have felt like relieved and be like, oh, good. Well, now I know what that person's like. I'm going to go over here and watch some Netflix or read a cool book. Or you could choose to feel hurt and embarrassed, and then that's going to create an action, which is going to thus bring about a result. So when you're thinking about, and I'm, this is Emily Caroline, uh, XX Emily underscore Caroline XX, um, when you're dating an alcoholic and how to move past it and not blame yourself. Um, and I and I have not dated an alcoholic, but one of my really good friends in recovery, um, his, his girlfriend is, and we'll get to, uh, I think, there's somebody up here, uh, Droog1991, um, who, who asks something about that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but to wrap this part, part of it up, it's when you're dating an alcoholic, right, when you're asking how to move past it, perhaps I should have replied and, and asked a little bit more history on this, is what are you trying to move past, right? If, you, if you're dating this alcoholic and you're ready to leave them, remember the most important person in this entire equation, Emily, is you. If somebody else decides that they want to go off and they want to be an alcoholic and they want they want to abuse drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, that's their journey they're on. You're on yours. If they, and I'm, and I'm just basing this purely off um, not blame yourself a part of this question is if they're trying to put the blame for their actions upon you, run, get away, say, you know what? You can feel however you want to feel. I'm going to feel however I want to feel you know, part ways as politely as possible, but it's time to part ways. Cause if somebody's going to sit there and blame their actions on you, and like I said earlier, you already know that that's not going to fly anymore because you're not doing that. If somebody doesn't action upon you, you're not going to blame them for the thought or the feeling that comes. They did whatever they did. You choose how to think. You choose what to feel. You can choose to see it positively or you can choose to see it negatively. We're, I feel like as humans, our species, we naturally want to tend towards that negative. Somebody uh, breaks a date, doesn't call when they say, and the thought is that person doesn't respect me. They don't honor my time. They don't honor who I am. The feeling it can be of anger or sadness or depression, whatever it might be. Whereas you could just choose to, to think differently. That person didn't call me. Maybe they got busy. Maybe it, it, you give them the benefit of the doubt. But when you've run out of benefits of the doubt and you're finding out that they're showing you their true colors, then you've got to walk away, period, point blank. If you are in recovery and you're dating an alcoholic, more power to you. And I'm not going to tell anyone who to love. I certainly wouldn't tell my friend in recovery who is, who's been in it now for almost two years and his girlfriend drinks way, 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 way too much. I, I don't know how he's doing it. I honestly don't. Be mindful of the boundaries you're setting for yourself 
and the boundaries that you're setting for other people. Because boundaries aren't meant to hurt others. It's meant to protect you. If you decide that you don't want to date somebody who abuses alcohol, if you decide that you don't want to take phone calls past 7 p.m. because that's when you're going to meditate and that's when you're going to have your alone time and you're going to read your, your book or you're going, to, you're going to whatever it is, right? You're not setting these boundaries to hurt others. And the people who generally get pissed off about boundaries that are being set for them by you is the people who are abusing your boundaries to begin with. And I know we've all seen that quote on Instagram because we're all on Instagram. Um, So hopefully that helps. Um, I would like to dive more into this if I haven't adequately answered it. And uh, I'm going to send you a reply when I'm done shooting this episode to one, let you know that I answered the question at least as well as I think I can. Um, But two, to see if there's any more information that would have helped me give you a better answer. In the future, I think I'll reply. In the future, I think I'll reply and ask a little bit more information. <laughs> uh, beautifully broken, 10-2-5. What is your advice when it comes to dating? Should you really wait a year after recovery? Should they be in recovery too? I'm going to bring up the boundary thing I, I just spoke about with, with Emily's question. Um, I'm just going to call you beautifully broken. Um you need when you when it comes to dating, and I asked my therapist this whenever I decided to that I wanted to start dating at the nine month mark, and the one thing that she really pushed upon me was, "Are you comfortable enough in your sobriety and in your system that you've created to allow somebody else in so that they can share that with you but are but at the same time knowing that you're going to have to set some boundaries in a way that you've never have before?" Right? Like you want to invite someone in. And if you, you know, now if you're just going to start dating casually to just get your feet wet and put your toe in the water, that's one thing. But I would also say that you never know when on a date you're really going to like somebody. And now all of a sudden you're going to really be into them. And so let's talk about that. Because the qualifications that someone used to have to check off in order for us to want to date them should be and probably definitely is different now that we're sober than it was when we were intoxicated. In college, like I mentioned earlier, I was looking for people who were ready to party hard. Now I'm not looking for that. So you have to so you have to be prepared to really start to judge the person in front of you differently than you used to. Now that you're not looking for a party friend, now that you're not looking for someone to stay out with late at night, whatever your, whatever your addiction caused you to want in a mate, you're probably going to be looking for something different now. And you need to know that you're comfortable enough in your sobriety and recovery to start actually seeking out someone that matches where you are at in your life. Right, if you are going to meetings and you're reading the big book or you're meditating or you're you know you're just reading and you're learning and you're you're upwardly pushing yourself in the personal growth and, and self transformation world, and then you go off and find someone who just works all the time, drinks too much, and watches a ton of TV, but yeah, they're super hot or they make you laugh. That's that's not enough. Right, we're human, so obviously the physical appearance is going to be the first thing that that triggers us. That, Ooh, I, I could like them. Great. Now, when they open their mouth, what questions are you going to ask them to find out if you're on the same level? Whether you're using a dating app or you're just meeting somebody out and about, you know how comfortable are you with telling them that you're sober? 
How comfortable are you with telling them that you don't go out to bars all the time, that you don't stay out late, right? That you do different things, that you like to get up early in the morning and go take walks or that you like to go to the zoo or you like to go to amusement parks. What is it that you're now into that you weren't probably into when it was all about getting effed up? Waiting a year, you know, some people would say, date whenever you you meet someone you like. Some people would say, wait two years to make sure that you like the right kind of person for you now. I say, there's no definitive on that. You need to know your mindset. Should they be in recovery too? Is that something that you find attractive, right? You find things in you that you like, that you want to see in your mate, if you like to read, if you like to watch really smarty pants documentaries on Netflix, if you like to go to zoos and, and stare at elephants, find people that are into the things that that you are now into now that you're sober and now that you're into recovery. I often say that getting sober just gave me back all of my hobbies, all of my interests, all of my talents, and it gave me the ability to actually think about them and focus on them and to check things off of a to-do list and to get my work done on the weekdays so that I could go to Monterey and look at seals on the weekend or so that I could go down to the Queen Mary and check out some Scottish festival, right? Like, I'm I'm not into staying out too much past dark anymore, but I am definitely into going out and getting into a ton of fun during the day. And sometimes that's just going up to this this happy little farm that's out in the valley where you get to see uh, pigs and chickens and cows that have been rescued and you get to pet them and you get to show them love after you know years of not being shown love. You now get to be a part of their happy new life. Um, so look for someone who's ready to be a part of your happy new life. Waiting a year you know what it's like what magically happens on from from day 364 to day 366 of your sobriety and recovery nothing nothing any more magical happens in those in in that in those two days where you go from being at not a year to the day of the year to one day plus a year nothing happens magically anything more than something magically happens when there's a 20 year old with 364 days to 20 years and 364 days of life and then midnight hits and all of a sudden they've got 21 years and they legally can drink. They're not a different person. They're the same person they were yesterday and their behaviors are going to, when they get alcohol on their lips, are going to mirror the behaviors that they had already been building up and all the other habits that they created. So I think it's really important that you ask yourself, are you ready to invite somebody into your world? Are you ready to discuss your sobriety and recovery uh, vulnerably and uh, in a way that really opens that person up to who you are, right? If, you know, obviously, you know, how much you dump out on them on the first date, second date, third date, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to disagree with that. I say if it's the right person and the right kind of mindset, they're going to love getting into this conversation with you. They're going to love understanding the journey that you got, that you went through, depending on how much you want to share about your, you know, your drunken days. They're going to want to know. They're not going to want to know all the gory details, but they're certainly going to be interested in what led you to that decision. We live in a society that has been abusing alcohol and drugs uh, for way too long. And especially alcohol, because it's legal. 
you know, I kicked all of the other drugs in my early in my thirties, but alcohol stayed because it's legal because the society doesn't doesn't uh, condemn it like they condemn cocaine and marijuana and ecstasy, right? But at the same time, because it's not condemned, people can abuse it in public and get away with it. And a lot of people don't want to do that anymore. They're just not able to release the um, peer pressure and the social ramifications that come with consuming alcohol in social settings. Um, It took me six months before I even announced that I was sober outside of my close-knit LA circle just because I wasn't sure how my um, Indiana Ball State and my Florida Florida Gator friends were going to take it because I was the party animal. When you invited me around, you knew I was going to be a good time. I just, it wasn't fun for me anymore. But I, it took me six months to even announce it on Facebook, and I still waited a year or more before I even called some of my best friends. And by that point, they just sort of knew about it. And they'd ask me some questions, but I, it was just sort of, it was it already been so long, the newness of it had worn off. And I say all this because you, could, depending on where you're at, you're still in the very new stage. Choose wisely when it comes to dating. And don't be afraid about turning off someone, no matter how attractive they are, how intelligent they are. No, it doesn't matter. That right person who's emotionally grounded enough to openly listen to what you want to discuss is going to welcome that. And if they aren't, I think that's a really good sign that it's time to choose somebody different to go on a date with. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a life coach. She, uh, she does love life coaching. And she says that... Um, I should have probably talked about this 10 minutes ago when I started this question and not left it for the end. But she says that when you are first getting um, out of a long relationship or you are, you know, first into sobriety, recovery, whatever it is, right? Her theory is, is that you should go out and meet 40 people that you can learn just more about and what it is about them that you find attractive. You know, if you know, I'm trying to be very careful about using pronouns like he and she because I don't know who everyone's listening. You're going to like men, women. It doesn't matter. For me, it's women. So I'll just reference myself. She would say for me, go out, meet 40 women, ask them, you know, what it is they do with their free time. What are their hobbies? What, what fires them up when they wake up every day? How do they like to spend their free time? Um, how, you know, ask them about their relationships with their um, father, with their brothers, with close men in their lives, you know, find out, are they friends with ex-boyfriends, you know, um, find out how they treated ex-boyfriends, you know, and now mind you, you know, you got to believe what this person is saying to me. I've got to believe this woman is going to tell me the truth, uh, but you'll be able to start picking up uh, incongruencies whenever, they, if they start saying one thing, but then they start, you know, about how they treated their brother and then how they treated their boyfriend, you know, you're going to be able to start to figure out where they're starting to fib a little bit. So, for me, she would say, go out and meet a bunch of women and start to figure out what it is that you're attracted to them for. What is it about them that attracts you to them, right? You know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, what is it? You know, it, it, you know, if the moment somebody says they love to go to museums, all of a sudden do my ears perk up? Does my heart start to race? If they say they like to go to farms and pet animals, does that excite me? If they say that they like to go skateboarding on the weekends, does that excite me? It would not. I'm not a skateboarder. I busted up my knees way too much when I was in my teens. Um, but ask yourself that. 
Beautifully Broken 1025. You know, what is it? And this is going for all of you listening, but specifically her, to her question is what is it that fires you up when you meet someone? Once you get past the looks, and remember, looks get boring, right? Eventually you have to have a conversation with this person. My mom used to tell me back when I was a teenager and I was obsessed with Cindy Crawford that every man out there is uh, is tired of sleeping with a beautiful woman that I'm lusting after. And at the time, she was married to Richard Gere. And she'd say, Richard Gere is tired of sleeping with Cindy Crawford. He is tired of her shit. He is annoyed by things that she says. You have to get past the physicalness to start to figure out, is there a, a mental and an emotional bond that's going to be able to get you... Um, through the rough times. And so when you first start dating, you know, obviously, you know, do you just want to dump all of your baggage at their doorstep? No, but you also don't want to hide from who you are now. And so I would say be comfortable in who you are and, you know, talk about it in in, an, in a nice, normal way. You know, again, you're not dumping your baggage at their feet as much as that you're just having a conversation about who you are now. No one needs to know the dirty stories, right? When I first got sober, I thought I needed to tell my ugly stories about where I woke up wasted or how tore up I turned my house or, you know, the, the chaos, right? People don't need to know the chaos. If you chose to get sober, they already know there was chaos. They don't need to know the drunken story from Mardi Gras 2020. You know, they don't need to know your drunken revelry from spring break 2017. They need to know about you. So that would be my advice there about waiting a year. It's all up to you. Uh, Should they be in recovery? Is that important to you? What is important to you? Right? Write down a list of what is important to you. You know, I date women who, I date men who. I date women who care about what I have to say. I date women who like to cook. I date women who like to, you know, you know eat semi-healthy. I date women who like to go on adventures with me to zoos and amusement parks and cool events that we find randomly on Groupon. Like I, I date a woman who will um, stand up to me whenever I'm not setting a boundary as much as I'm just being selfish. Right. I mean, there's a difference between boundary and selfish. And, you know, you you'll learn that just like I'm constantly learning it. Um, But, you know, it's like sit down with a piece of paper and say, I date men who I date women who and then write down the qualities. What is it you want? I date a woman who likes to read books. I date a woman who likes to, you know, watch the sunset. Um, Is somebody going to check off every single thing on your list? No, that's not going to happen. But are they going to check off enough that whatever you like and they don't really care about and whatever they like and you don't really care about, you can still meet in the middle? Yes. Right? So I, I like big shoot 'em up bang-bang action movies. You know, I date a woman who very much likes rom-coms, um, Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> and that's awesome. I love those things. Man, I can get emotionally gripped by the right... Hallmark Christmas movie. Um, and she'll sit there and watch some crazy Netflix shoot 'em up bang bang show. So ask yourself, what is it that's important to you? And really have that, you know, sit down and write some things in your head. Go out on some dates. Go do like my my relationship uh, coaching friend would say. You know, and again, it doesn't have to be 40 dates. You could just randomly run into somebody at the grocery store. You know, and you could just, you know, look at their cart and ask them some questions, right? Like just, you know, 
if you find yourself attracted to somebody, you know, start asking them questions about themselves. Find out what it is about them that you're intrigued by, that you like. You know, you could you could be sitting next to somebody on an airplane. That's not a date, but it's a great opportunity to get to, into a conversation with somebody, right? Get to know that person. And I'm telling you what you'll end up doing is you'll end up having this set of things that you're looking for in your mate. Um, and then once you start to think about wanting those things in in your lover, you'll start attracting people who have those things. I always say that if you want to date someone who likes museums, go to a museum. If you want to date somebody who likes books, go to a bookstore, go to a book convention, go to Amazon Distribution Center. <laughs> if you like somebody, if you want to date somebody who likes really cool, intriguing foods, go to those restaurants and don't be afraid to sit there at the bar eating by yourself. There's other people eating there. If of course you're comfortable with alcohol, you can go to a sushi place. There's not. They're not. They're, you can sit right there at the bar and watch them make your food. But go to places where the people you want to date are gonna be, and then you'll find them. Um. All right, well, this got a little bit long-winded, but I definitely hope that it helped you. I'm not going to be able to get to um, the other one this time. I'm still going to you know, aiming to keep these underneath 30 minutes. But I know that these were two specific questions asked by people on Instagram, but I, I think that all of us have a chance to hear it resonate with us and to learn something from what we discussed today. Um, that one, if you're dating an alcoholic and you're in sobriety and recovery, you probably don't want to be doing that. You want to know how to set healthy boundaries and you want to know how to, how to choose yourself first. Right? You have to choose yourself first because the most important person is you. Your sobriety and recovery is the most important thing in your life because everything else will be built upon that foundation. So don't date someone whose values go completely against yours just for the sake of not being alone because the worst thing, the, the next, the worst thing, what, what is the quote I heard recently? There's nothing worse than not being alone and wishing that you were, right? Don't wish that you were with someone just for the sake of being with someone and then the entire time you're with them, you wish that you weren't right? You get, you have to choose somebody whose values align with yours. And when you're in sobriety and recovery and you're choosing a whole new lifestyle, what you used to be attracted to is not going to be what you're attracted to now. And if it is, boy, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how someone could date an alcoholic and not eventually be tempted. Uh, eventually, you know, that person could just wear on you. And we're going to get into um, indicators of relapse in the next episode. But um when it comes to dating an alcoholic, I'd say don't <laughs> because you're choosing somebody with new values and going back to what Beautifully Broken had asked. That's what I want you guys to think about. Sit down now. Here's your action step. I date men who? I date women who? And come up with the things. What are, what are the things that you love about yourself? Seek those things out in a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a lover, a mate. Seek those things out. Because what, what you are seeking is also seeking you. Someone out there right now is seeking you. And they are desperately looking to find you. Just like you would love to find them. Desperate's the wrong word. They would love to find you as much as you would love to find them. So understand your values. Know what it is you're looking for. Make up a list. Be very clear in your mind. Because if you're vague about it, then you're going to start finding yourself attracted to things that you used to find attractive. And that's going to be all of those old bad behaviors and old habits that are instilled in your mind still, right? The things you were looking for are not the things you're looking now. So be clear. And if you're clear at 
month three or you're clear at month 30, that's when you'll know you're ready to step out into the dating world. Please keep the questions coming. I love, love, love these. Um, if you think I was too long-winded in answering these things, please comment about that in um, in the Instagram post because I don't want to be long-winded, but I also don't want to just float over these questions. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and sometimes they get these Q&As, and they give like a two-minute answer, and I'm just like, I, I really wanted more. I wanted more of their opinion. I wanted more of their knowledge. I, I wanted more of their mindset and their point of view. And that's what I want to bring to you is, is, is a very clear, concise point of view. And I, I want this to be helpful and I want it to have an action step so that you know what to do with this knowledge now. And I think that's you sitting down with a pen and paper and asking yourself, what is it you want to date? Who is it that you want? What is it you want them to have? What is it they value? Okay, do that. I date men who, I date women who. Start to answer that because I'm telling you that it will give you a keen insight into who you are now versus who you used to be. In fact, if you want to do a little extra credit, sit down and be like, I used to date women like, I used to date men like, and ask yourself, what were the qualifications of the people you used to date when you were using and you were intoxicated all the time? And then compare the two. Because they shouldn't be that alike. Yes, they might both like Mexican food still, but one who wants to go out drinking and every night till 3 in the morning or one who likes to go to bed early so that we can get up and go on cool hikes, that's, that's a big one, right? Look for the big differences. <laughs> Don't be like, well, Jesse said, I can't like any guy I used to like, so therefore I can't like any guy who likes Mexican because I used to like Mexican. No, <laughs> you can keep that. Just look for somebody who doesn't want to go out boozing every night. Look for someone who treats other people with kindness and respects and has integrity and humility and gratitude. Look for those. Those are the key indicators. All right. Much love, everyone. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Much love. See you next week. Bye-bye. 